Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Bible Podcast. Today we're going to be solely reading out of the book of Psalms, uh, specifically chapter 121, 123 through 125, and 128 through 130. Before we begin, I wanted to share um, a little something that's uh, that's happened in my life. Uh, recently, I spent some time with um, several people who were who are striving to truly experience the Lord's presence and live through the Spirit's power and strength in their daily lives. They've been diving into His Word like never before and seeking to move past uh, surface-level Christianity, but it's not easy. So I've been thinking about what that really looks like and how we live that out. This past Sunday, I studied the story of the miracle catch in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Jesus had been teaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and noticed two empty boats. He chose to step into Simon Peter's boat and had him push it out into the water where he sat and taught a while. When he was done, he turned to Simon in verse 4 and said, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. After some back and forth, Simon decided to listen to Jesus and he went. His nets were so full from the amount of fish he caught that they began to tear and he had to call for help. Simon was so overcome that he fell at Jesus' feet. Jesus said to him, from now on, you'll be fishing for people. There is so much more we could talk about in this story, but for now, this one thing is what the Lord laid on my heart. Jesus didn't allow Simon to stay by the shore or even to simply go out a little way. Jesus told him to go out where it was deeper. This isn't the only place where we see Jesus' disciples in deep water. When Jesus calmed the storm in Matthew 8, verses 23 through 27, he and his disciples were going across the lake. And when he walked on water, Matthew 14, verses 22 through 36, the disciples were far away from the land. What was the reasoning for sending his disciples into deep water? And how does this relate to us as we grow our relationship with the Lord and begin to share him with others? Here are a few things to consider. First, deep water requires deep faith. When fishing in shallow water, you can generally see the bottom, but in deep water, you can't see very far below the surface unless you have a powerful light source. If Jesus allowed the disciples to stay close to the shore, they wouldn't need his light to see what was around them to catch the fish he sent them for. The uncertainty that they felt wouldn't exist, and the reliance and faith they had to put in him wouldn't happen because they would be able to see without believing. The number of fish that they caught in deep, dark water could only happen because of a supernatural source drawing them in, 
and it is the same way today. Second, deep water means facing deep things. Sometimes it takes drowning in our own sorrow and facing really hard things about ourselves to see and feel and realize the depths of the Lord's love and provision for us. When we go out into the deep, Jesus meets us where we are. And we have an obligation to meet others there too, even when you feel uncomfortable, ill-equipped, and maybe even a little hypocritical. Jesus sent the disciples into the deep water so he could show up in an inconvenient, uncomfortable place. Out in the deep is where he met each of them individually. And that's what love is, showing up in inconvenient, uncomfortable places where Jesus works in miraculous ways when we are willing to let him. Third, deep water causes deep fear. In each of the three stories about Jesus' disciples mentioned above, deep waters weren't the only thing they had in common. In every one, Jesus had to tell his friends not to be afraid. If we choose to go into the deep places with people, the hard, dark, scary places where we can't see what may happen next and don't know what to expect, we need an anchor to hold us fast. The anchor is Jesus, and he is right here with all of us who believe. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for the deep waters of life. Thank you for the opportunity to trust you more, know you more, and see your miracle working power up close. Help me to shine your light brightly, especially when I may not be able to see what's up ahead. Help me seek you above all else and go forward boldly without fear. And when my flesh and my heart fail, remind me that my strength is found in you alone. In your mighty name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right. So let's jump into the reading uh, for today. We'll start with Psalm chapter 121. A song for pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. Here in this chapter, we see that God watches over us, placing us under his umbrella of protection. He guards us against the dangers that threaten to destroy our lives. Simply put, God exercises great care over us day and night.
Psalm 123, a song for pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem. I lift my eyes to you, O God, enthroned in heaven. We keep looking to the Lord our God for his mercy, just as servants keep their eyes on their master. As a slave girl watches her mistress for the slightest signal, have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy. For we have had our fill of contempt. We have had more than our fill of the scoffing of the proud and the contempt of the arrogant. Psalm 124. What if the Lord had not been on our side? Let all Israel repeat. What if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us? They would have swallowed us alive in their burning anger. The waters would have engulfed us. A torrent would have overwhelmed us. Yes, the raging waters of their fury would have overwhelmed our very lives. Praise the Lord who did not let their teeth tear us apart. We escaped like a bird from a hunter's trap. The trap is broken and we are free. Our help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Here in chapter 124, we see that without God, there is no hope in the midst of life's battles. If he is not fighting our battles with us, we will be overwhelmed by the spiritual forces arrayed against us. We should respond to God's gracious help by praising Him for what He has done for us. Psalm 125 Those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, but will endure forever. Just as the mountains surrounded Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people, both now and forever. The wicked will not rule the land of the godly, for then the godly might be tempted to do wrong. O Lord, do good to those who are good, whose hearts are in tune with you, but banish those who turn to crooked ways. O Lord, take them away with those who do evil. May Israel have peace. Psalm 128 How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow His ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine, flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear Him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion, may you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. May Israel have peace. Psalm 129 From my earliest youth my enemies have persecuted me. Let all Israel repeat this. From my earliest youth my enemies have persecuted me, but they have never defeated me. My back is covered with cuts, as if a farmer had plowed long furrows. But the Lord is good. He has cut me me free from the ropes of the ungodly. May all who hate Jerusalem be turned back in shameful defeat. May they be as useless as grass on a rooftop, turning yellow when only half-grown, ignored by the harvester 
despised by the binder. And may those who pass by refuse to give them this blessing. The Lord bless you. We bless you in the Lord's name. Psalm 130 From the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. Hear my cry, O Lord. Pay attention to my prayer. Lord, if you kept the record of our sins, who, O Lord, could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on him. I have put my hope in his word. I long for the Lord. More than centuries long for the dawn. Yes, more than centuries long for the dawn. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is unfailing love. His redemption overflows. He himself will redeem Israel from every kind of sin. Here in chapter 30, we are reminded that we should be thankful that God has give that God has forgiven our sins. Now, despite the many ways we have turned from him, he responds to our cries, and we can depend on him to deliver us. In light of this, we ought to worship him with thankful hearts. So these seven psalms that we just read are among the 15 chapters known as the Songs of Ascent. To understand their purpose, we need a view of Israel's landscape. Jerusalem will eventually be Israel's capital, serving as the headquarters for the tabernacle and the temple. Jerusalem is at a high elevation, so no matter where you're coming from, you have to go up to Jerusalem. Hence the ascent. Up to three times a year, all the tribes of Israel who've been dispersed throughout the land come together to celebrate the holy days. Scholars say they sing these 15 songs as, as they make their pilgrimage. These are their road trip hymns. Some even refer to travel or things travelers need to be mindful of. Psalm 121, for example, is a psalm of confidence in how Yahweh is never tired or distracted, unlike the pagan gods, who require sleep and reportedly return to the underworld at night. Since the Israelites have to sleep along highways as they travel to Jerusalem, it's probably comforting to be reminded that Yahweh is awake and watching over them. David is also God. David also says God provides shade for them, which is especially nice if you happen to be traveling through the Judean desert. Psalm 123 calls to God in the midst of distress and oppression, which the Israelites will continue to spend a lot of time dealing with. On their journey, they'll likely pass through areas where their enemies live, so they ask God for mercy. 
This flows right into Psalm 124, which says God's protection is the only way they've survived distress and oppression so far. Their trials have been abundant, but God is their help. It's good for them to have to sing this song three times a year because we know how easy it is for them to forget God. Psalm 125 affirms the blessings that will come to those who remember God and trust Him and says, God will uproot the unrighteous. By the way, Mount Zion, which is referenced in this psalm, is the highest point in ancient Jerusalem, just outside the city gates. Because it's so noteworthy, it becomes a way of referring to Jerusalem. The two names are often used interchangeably. In Psalm 128, we see references to God's covenant with the Israelites. He's told them if they keep the covenant, they'll live in the land and be fruitful and blessed. But if they break the covenant, they'll be oppressed and exiled. This song encourages them with the blessings of keeping the covenant. Here's one important caveat for chapters like this. These texts represent us with details about God's character and how he operates in general. But there's some stickiness in trying to apply them with the same one-to-one ratio today. For instance, not every obedient person is guaranteed to have children. These promises are based on God's covenant with the Israelites, a specific covenant with a specific people. It's important for us to honor uh, context for a few reasons. A. It helps us understand God's character rightly. And B. It saves us from the error of entitlement. And lastly, C. In the specific instance, it also keeps us from judging others as obedient or disobedient based on their circumstances. While While Psalm 128 points out the blessings God brings to the home, Psalm 129 highlights all the ways God blessed Israel as a whole. And in Psalm 130, they recount the ultimate blessing, not just peace in the home or peace in the land, but peace with God himself. He's the one who forgives their sins and redeems them. With you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. Psalm 130 verse 4. The fear of God consists primarily of delight and awe. If that weren't true, the two halves of this verse wouldn't fit together. It would have to say, we know you're going to come down hard on us, that you may be feared, or with you there is forgiveness, so we're drawn to you. Instead, we see that God's forgiveness of our sins inspires respect, awe, and delight. It draws us to Him. That's what the fear of God looks like. No matter how we've walked in iniquity and rebellion, we can come to Him for forgiveness, knowing that we have pardon and redemption because of Christ's full payment for our sins on the cross. The fear of the Lord enhances our lives in every way because He's where the joy is. Alright, I'm just going to leave you all off today with another daily devotional to take with you today. Peace is my continual gift to you. It flows abundantly from my throne of grace. Just as the Israelites could not store up manna for the future, but had to gather it daily. So it is with my peace, the day-by-day collecting of manna kept my people aware of their dependence on me. Similarly, I 
give you sufficient peace for the present. When you come to me by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, if I give you permanent peace, independent of my presence, you might fall into the trap of self-sufficiency. May that never be. I have designed you to need me moment by moment. As you, as your awareness of your neediness increases, so does your realization of my abundant sufficiency. I can meet every one of your needs without draining my resources at all. Approach my throne of grace with bold confidence, receiving my peace with a thankful heart. Amen. Thank you all for tuning into this episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you all have a great day and God bless each and every one of you.